there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hi, I'm Wendy Zuckerman, and you're listening to Science Versus from Gimlet. This is the show that pits facts against fiery mountains. Our story begins with Christian Jacobson. It's 1980, and he lives in Redmond, Washington. So I was 12. I was a, I was a rocker kid. <laughs> One morning, Christian woke up early. He was eating Cheerios and Raisin Bran. He liked to mix them half and half. Everything was quiet. When suddenly... I heard like a door slam downstairs. And I thought, hang on. I thought I was the only person up. He was, but something else had woken up. Mount St. Helens, a snow-capped mountain just a few hours south of Christian's house. It had been rumbling for months. A mixture of hot, gooey rock called magma was building and building inside it. And then, on May 18th, 1980, it finally blew its top. Blam! Downstairs. That was the sound of the eruption that I heard. Mount St. Helens shook with its most violent eruption in 123 years. The volcano's blasts have come with a vengeance today. The conically shaped top of the mountain is now gone. The eruption shot ash 15 miles into the sky, and that ash spread all across the state. When Christian opened his door to step outside, it was like a Dorothy stepping over the threshold into technicolored Oz. Only in reverse. I walked out on the deck and I looked at my mom's planters there where she had these poppies growing, big pink poppies. They were covered in a fine dust and I just touched it really lightly and it just came off on my fingers and it was like as fine as like chalk dust from like a chalkboard. And as I looked away from the flowers, I saw it was just on everything, freaking everywhere. In neighboring towns, the ash got so thick that it made the sky turn black. Day was like night. And for Christian, the ash found its way into his eyes and throat. I felt the grit in my teeth, and from when you breathe it in, it just gets in your mouth. Kind of like if it was a hyperfine sand and like breathing in sand or something. <laughs> the volcano's blast also created this massive wave of heat that flattened everything for miles. Christian remembers seeing a forest of huge pine trees just on the ground. All of the trees are laid down in pointing in one direction. They are completely stripped of all the branches and everything. They're just the trunk of the tree laid down like a giant has been playing with pickup sticks. But the thing that really shocked Christian was when he realized that the eruption had created a giant mud flow. That hot rock and gas had melted all the ice at the top of the mountain, causing... Like an eight-lane highway of rocks and trees and superheated mud coming, hurtling down, crashing in and taking out every single bridge that it touched, you know, railroad bridges and, and freeways and everything. I mean, when you see something like that, that's, that's something that Knowing there's something that powerful and that much bigger than you is scary. 
the Mount St Helens eruption killed 57 people. But Mount St Helens? It isn't even close to the most deadly volcano out there. Just five years later, a volcano erupted in Colombia, creating a landslide that killed 24,000 people. And in the past, even bigger volcanoes have erupted, so-called super volcanoes. The one we hear about here in the US is Yellowstone. And that's where a lot of people are looking to right now, because there are rumblings that Yellowstone is about to blow. And if that happens, it would be catastrophic. Christian has heard these rumours too, that Yellowstone will make Mount St. Helens look like a pimple. Uh, that's, that's not going to be an eruption like anything we've, we've seen in written history, I don't think. That's just going to open up a hole where everything that's underneath us is going to come out and it's going to come out in a terrible, terrible way. Everything from the Pacific Ocean to, you know, Minnesota is gone. And on top of all that, there are stories that a Yellowstone blast could change the climate, hurling us into a new ice age. So today on the show, we're asking, just how scary can volcanoes get? To find out, we called up a volcano lover. The force, the power that's contained beneath volcanoes is, is awesome. This is Jill Plunkett from Queen's University Belfast in Northern Ireland. And she studies awesome volcanoes that have erupted thousands of years ago. And she said that this work can take scientists to perhaps the opposite of where you'd expect. Not smoking mountaintops, but to giant fields of ice, drilling deep in places like Greenland. In some cases, they've gone down three kilometres into the ice. Oh, my God. It, it is incredible what they can do. And what these scientists are looking for in the ice is the stuff that fell all over Christian's house. Volcanic ash. Not ash like when we burn wood, but volcanic ash is essentially glassy material. And some shards are really beautiful and some are really dull. But whether they're beautiful or dull, it's, it's what they tell us. And to Jill... These bits of volcanic ash can tell her a lot. When large volcanoes blow a load, the winds take that ash around the world. And when it lands in places like Greenland, the ice kind of acts like a perfect time capsule. Because each year, as more and more snow falls on top of the ash, it basically encases this volcanic ash for thousands of years until scientists come and drill it out, ready to study it. Like, what does it look like? Like, dirty ice cubes? No, it's beautifully clean ice. Recently, Jill's colleague found some very, very curious volcanic ash trapped in ice 500 metres down. And because of how deep it was, they estimated that it came from a volcano that erupted more than 2,000 years ago. To figure out exactly which volcano blew, Jill's team uses that ash, which is sometimes called tephra. And it turns out that tephra from different volcanoes has its own special chemical cocktail with different amounts of stuff like silica, aluminium or magnesium. It's kind of like a fingerprint. And Jill is like a volcano detective. She uses her database of tephra to find the suspect. And I do that one by one through the elements and gradually the filter is getting rid of all the tephras that don't match and... I'm left with one. And it was really nice. This one was looking like a perfect match. Turns out it's Okmok. Okmok. 
It's a volcano on a small island off the southern coast of Alaska, and it's part of the so-called Ring of Fire, which are a string of volcanoes that sit on the boundary of massive tectonic plates. And these plates kind of grind away at each other. So you get the, the, the pressure built up by the, the clashing of the two tectonic plates. So when this Alaskan volcano blew, how bad was it? Well, when Jill's team looked at the ice, they could see that it had certain kinds of sulfur in it. And that told them this would have been a big eruption. From the amount of sulfur it produced, we can say that it was certainly one of the largest eruptions in the last two and a half thousand years. When it erupted, it erupted explosively. Material being thrown up into the atmosphere, being spat out in different directions. And we know that when big volcanoes throw enough sulfur up into the stratosphere, this can change the climate. Because once these tiny droplets of sulfur are in the air, they kind of act like little mirrors that reflect heat from the sun away from Earth, making things cooler. But Jill and her team wanted to know how much colder it would have gotten. The only problem, 2,000 years ago... They didn't have thermometers back then, so they couldn't say it it got so many degrees colder. What we do have are tree ring records. Looking at tree rings is like leafing through nature's diary. You can see when the weather is great for trees because they grow fast, and you can see when it gets cold and crappy. And other scientists keep a library of tree rings. So Jill and her team checked to see what were the trees up to when this volcano blew. And it turned out that a lot of them were quite unhappy. We see what's what's called a frost ring. The trees seem to have suffered uh, from what is presumed to be an early frost. Oh, wow. The summer had gotten cooler and the trees didn't like it. They saw this in trees from California to Europe. And in fact, scientists have estimated that when this volcano blew, the temperature in summer probably fell by several degrees over in Europe. And all of this, it wouldn't just affect the trees. There's evidence that this colder weather made a big difference for people living in the Roman Republic at the time. Ancient Romans recorded a rough year. They said that their crops failed. And it was bad timing. The Roman Republic was at war. They were facing things like extreme weather. They had food shortages. So they found themselves eating things that had never been tasted before by men. One philosopher wrote that Roman armies were struggling to get proper food and scraping by on stuff like roots and bark. It's even possible that this volcano made things so bad for the Romans that it helped topple the Roman Republic. Now, this kind of sounds wild that an angry volcano could take down a republic that was more than 400 years old. But the thing is, after years of war and the assassination of Julius Caesar, the volcano erupted. And soon after that bitter cold, the republic basically collapsed. It would seem that all this political turmoil was going on for a long period of time. And still they were trying to keep things going. So the volcano erupting could have been the final straw in the Republic. The final straw. We can certainly see that they weren't having an easy time of it after the eruption. To say it lightly. To say it lightly. (laughs) To To say it lightly. So, why was Okmok so explosive? and managed to cause so much havoc. Well, Jill says it's because of the kind of magma that was brewing in its belly. It was full of silica and gas bubbles. 
it's more volatile. When it explodes, it's like, you know, you're shaking a fizzy water bottle and opening the lid suddenly. Oh, so it's, so it's actually the chemistry of the magma. It like has, you know, volcanic TNT in it. Pretty, pretty much. So they can see that we've got this highly volatile type of magma. Other volcanoes have less gassy and explosive magma, like a lot of the ones in Hawaii. Their chemical cocktail is more like flat soda. It's less likely to go kaboom. And so when these volcanoes do erupt, the lava is more likely to kind of just seep out. Okay, so we've just heard that some volcanoes can blow and change the climate, maybe even bring civilizations to their knees. But what does that mean for Yellowstone? Would it be like Okmok on steroids? Waiting, 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 and then boom. Sitting under Yellowstone is a direct pipeline from the Earth's core, funneling heat towards the surface. And when this volcano blew two million years ago, it left a hole in the ground larger than Rhode Island. Scientists estimate that another Yellowstone blowout wouldn't bring in an ice age, but it could bring temperatures down in the Northern Hemisphere for years. And worse still, the news is telling us that this could happen again, at any moment. Yellowstone National Park could be sitting on a time bomb. We end here tonight with a sleeping giant, an ancient super volcano. Recent eruptions have some wondering if the giant is awakening. So, is that true? Is 2021 about to get catastrophically worse? To find out, listen to our full episode on super volcanoes. You can do it right now. It's over on our Science Versus podcast. Just search for Science VS Supervolcanoes. It'll pop right up. I'm Wendy Zuckerman. Back to you next time.